In this episode of The Phantom Jukebox, we explore the rise of satanic panic in the 1980s and how it affected the music industry. And we're live. Welcome to the Phantom Jukebox, everyone. I'm Ty Lindsay. And I'm Joe Shannon. We are two musicians that dive into the world of music, their myths, conspiracies, and bizarre music history. If you like the show, or if you've uh, if you've listened to the show, or if you're the, our first-time listener, you can find our back catalog on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, uh, uh, Good Pods, any of your major streaming services. And uh, if they have a review, like a uh, review feature, like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you know, give us five stars or tell us what you think about the show. It'd really help us out. Yes, please. It, uh, it, it's kind of like YouTube in that way. The, 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 there's an algorithm that goes with podcast. And the further we get, you know, the more of these we get, the more interaction we get, the algorithm likes us. And then mm-hmm. like, it kind of pushes us forward to give us more opportunities that we're, we're really, really hoping to bring to the show. There's, uh, a lot I have planned yes. for the, the future iterations of the show. But um, yeah, if you could give us five stars, tell us what you think. Um, this, ah, oh man, I'm so excited for this episode. But uh, do your thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, let us know what you thought of the last episode of Ozzy Osbourne. Do you think my, uh, my win was well-deserved? Or do you think there was foul play? You can let us know on Twitter.com at PhantomJukebox underscore. Facebook.com at Phantom Jukebox and Instagram at Phantom Jukebox Podcast. A lot of cool things happening over there. Sorry. I was looking for the... Uh... <laughs> Did you just give me crickets? No, I wasn't meaning to give you crickets. So I was trying to get the... Uh... <laughs> was there foul play? <laughs> was there foul play brewing? Or was it well deserved? We may never know. Give us your opinion on Facebook and Twitter. I never know if there was foul play involved in that last episode. I thought like I owned it, but maybe not. Maybe it was all just full of misconspiracies, hopes and dreams that lost. <laughs> misconspiracies? So, yes. the, so it's just filled with the truth. <laughs> just the truth. And the truth is, I did win it. I won that thing. I got I, Practically it. guessing the entire way through. So the SATs? Exactly. <laughs> so yes, uh, I now have a jazz button on on demand. Oh yes. <laughs> you know that's something I never thought to uh, give. A friend of mine just asked, like, "Hey, what do I need to start a podcast?" And I was mm-hmm. like, "You know, uh, a software to record, a microphone, head headphones, good concept." Yeah. Uh, the roadcaster that we have, the board is amazing. I never thought to be like, hey, you're going to need a jazz button. You are going to need a jazz button. Just like, so, I mean, yeah, we're talking about, uh, um, yeah, music conspiracies are pretty cool. I mean, yeah, it's neat. Yeah. So you're talking about like that, just like just now. I mean, yes. it's, it's, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a kind of interesting, but at a jazz button. Hey, you want to talk about the mysterious side of music? 
arrive. Hop aboard the Phantom, Phantom Jukebox Express. Is Dolly Parton's husband real? I don't know, baby. We're gonna find out. Makes everything no. Keep it, keep oh, it okay, on, yeah, and uh, right. let's dive into what this episode is about. Give me a little synopsis. Well, we're, going oh, we're, we're giving him a taste of the B-sides, <laughs> which is our uh, upcoming Patreon content. It's not, yes. it's not out yet, but we're putting we're putting the infrastructure together. But uh, so uh, actually, before we get to the content, <laughs> we have new cu- we have new custom Spotify jukebox jams playlists that include the episode and the music we talked about for each subject. The music fits the theme or it's something we uh, expressly talked about. Right now, we have three playlists out there. The most recent one being on our boy, Ozzy Osbourne. Mm. His music does not sound like this, by the way. That is far from... Yeah. I mean, what was the band he was first in? The first name of his band? Oh, it was like... It was uh, Earth and then it... it Oh, man. I can't remember the very, very first one. Yeah. Then it it became Earth. Yeah. It it sounded like it would make this type of music, but... No, definitely does not anymore. So I want to, uh, man, be, I love the B side so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. okay we got to keep the vibe. If up. you would like more than that, more of that, <laughs> a little more of that, then uh, should we, uh, well, once uh, the B sides come out, that's that's where you ought to turn. Uh, we actually have the first episode of the B sides out a couple episodes yes. ago. On uh, it's the continuation of the Fantasia episode, which is about where the Chernobog story came yes. from. Yes. So real quick, I want to give out some shout outs of some other really great podcasts. Um, these are their Twitter handles. Um, one show called Fuck My Work Life. It's a podcast. Yeah. Where, a, a podcast where Jay and Kay share your entertaining stories from the workplace. Like you send them your stories oh. and then they talk about them. Like they, they present them like they'll, they'll have their own or they'll, you know, people will send them in and they, they'll kind of share these incredible stories huh. in the office place. Okay, I'll make a submission. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I'm debating. Um, so that's fuck my work life. Um, uh, it'll be at f m w l p o d. So f f m w l p o d on Twitter, and then Reddit on Wiki. Reddit, as in Reddit, the platform. Okay. Uh, on Wiki, and. Uh, they chat about life and research a topic from Wikipedia. Then on Friday, they scroll Reddit on on their quest for the biggest assholes on the platform. Nice. So that's at Reddit on Wiki. And again, that's R-E-D-D-I-T on Wiki. Hmm. So, and um, you know, these, we, we rep the, the podcast. We all, we talk about real quick in the beginning of these shows are, not only are they great shows, but they're also people that do like, you know, behind the scenes, they do a lot of cool stuff in like the, the small community that we're in, um, you know, the, the podcast, other podcasts and stuff like we all like, we, you know, we, we talk to each other and, um, you know, they really do a lot, you know, they promo other, you know, other people and they're, they do a lot to try to get the name out there. Cause it's, it's really tough. Yeah. Um, I mean, Dakota does an amazing job and she's on that uh, full time and it's still, really really hard to get your name out there like to to climb this ocean of other shows you know yeah and uh those shows include like you know celebrities that decide to have podcasts and right off the bat they'll have thousands yeah. of followers and stuff so it's like you really <laughs> you yeah. need you need this too but um 
anyway, so just wanted to give them a shout out so that they're really, really cool people. Uh, so now we are going to get into this episode. And as stated before, this is about satanic panic. Mm. Joe, what do you know of satanic panic specifically in the 1980s? So I am assuming that it's about stuff like based off of the, uh, uh, social media posts I saw. Mm-hmm. It's about stuff like, what? You listen to heavy metal? You're a Satanist. Yeah, yeah the accusations. Yeah. yeah. What? You play D&D? That's going to turn you into a Satanist. <laughs> you know, for um, for a long time, I wasn't allowed into like nerdy stuff because I was raised yeah. in a very conservative house. I mean, there's still, still people that like are like, Oh, you can't watch Harry Potter. That's wizardry, which is Satan. Only if, Just, if parents only knew how much math you have to do in D&D, so many more kids would have been playing it before Stranger Things. Yeah. And I mean, it's math, the game, but it's fun because there's wizards. Yeah. <laughs> math <laughs> with wizards. Yeah. That's what it is. Math it's a with Gravity dragons. Falls joke, by the way. I, I can't claim that. It was uh, Mabel called okay. it math, the game. pretty good but yeah it's basically the satan satanist panic is i assume is just the lump sum of everyone thinking that all of these irrational thoughts of oh you do this that must mean you're into satan yeah there's a lot of um a lot of irrational like red string being connected to like this, you know, from heavy metal to it gets crazy. Like the further you go in history, it's like, Oh, you're a woman and you can read. You must be a witch. So, so, um, I do make a couple comparisons to that. Oh my, uh, yeah, I'll do a couple comparisons to that. Um, especially in the, uh, Taylor Swift episode we did with the Illuminati. I think we defined Satanism and, uh, where it's it's kind of like humble origins uh, in that episode. <laughs> the hum Phantom Jukebox and the humble origins of Satanism. I'd read that book. Um, so we're doing this episode because um, at this point I've seen all of Stranger Things four. No spoilers or anything. Okay. Um, good because I have not. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I should probably watch season two and three before I start four. I don't but- know that you have to. <laughs> In my personal opinion, two and three were pretty bad. Okay. okay. Pretty bad. Now, season one is amazing. Uh, two and two is an episode, is a repeat of one, and three is pretty fucking stupid. Um, but four, I was like, nah, I'm not watching this show. This is a show stupid. Season three, what the hell? You know, the Russians and all that mm. kind of stuff. But the way they bring it back, though, especially the guy who plays the main villain, he's incredible. Mm. Um, the only thing that keeps that show from being like an eight and a half right now, it's at an eight, certainly yeah. a B at a, you know, eight out of 10 is, uh, the little sister that is, I can't remember the guy, Sinclair. I can't remember the guy's name. Um, his little sister that like plays D and D in his stead. Oh, she's the nastiest little girl or just person I've ever, I've never wanted to hate a child. That character, <laughs> one, is acting terrible. Two, she almost gets, like, she does things that thwart the group, but yet she's still connected to the group. 
Like she, she says she's just awful. Like I'm not going to say the show isn't about that, but it's just, she's an awful mean spirited little brat. And she's in, she, they make her too important in the show without her. It's an eight and a half. Oh, okay. But right now it's a, it's an eight. Okay. Even Max, who was obnoxious throughout the show, uh, seasons two and three really felt, really felt for season four. Huh. They'd really fix that character. Okay. So, but we're here to talk about, um, so in that show, no spoilers again, uh, Eddie, you know, Eddie, the, the guy, everybody really likes the heavy metal guy, which I think is yeah. actually finally a friendly portrayal. Seriously. Of a heavy metal guy that, uh, isn't like stupid. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's weird and out there, but he's, he's not, weird and out there and he might not be like book smart, but he's not like moronically stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause usually the portrayals of them are really, really bad, really, really stereotypical. And, uh, Eddie was like, he's all about protecting the nerds. Like he, like, uh, there's, this isn't really a spoiler thing, but he's like, you know, he's, uh, he's graduating and he tells, uh, you know, uh, Dustin, I forget the other one. Um, you know, he's like, you got to look out for the oddballs. Like we're, you know, I looked out for you guys. Now you have to keep it going. You know? Yeah. So he's this really just kind of friendly, nerdy guy who's in just kind of off the wall stuff. Cause he's an off the wall guy, but he becomes the subject of, um, a witch hunt, I will say. And a lot of the basis of, you know, the, you know, they kind of like base people going after him for certain reasons off of satanic panic, which actually happened in the eighties. Like it's, Oh, it's really akin to a witch hunt. Yeah. Which is kind of what happens to him in that show. And I was watching that and I was like, I need to look into that again. And it, and I, I was, I got so fascinated by this topic, it jumped a bunch of other stuff we were going to do mm. instead. Very excited to get into this. Um, so satanic panic is a perceived reality of the 1980s and early 90s, but we're mainly in the 80s here. Uh, throughout the United States, that satanic cults were committing mass abuse, specific, uh, uh, primarily on like kids and teens uh, throughout the country. So like child sexual abuse by satanists oh yeah was the literal fear yeah you know like oh obviously it's this uh that uh parents came to that conclusion wow okay yeah uh this panic spread through the word of mouth popular media and professional uh uh you know uh, police reports and like a ther what's called therapeutic literature of the time like self-help books um because there's no, there's no internet. So like a lot of what you're watching is on TV. Oh yeah. Uh, people calling each other, you know, what's in the tabloids, things like that. Like the newspaper is a big deal. Um, and plus like people loved placing the blame on something, right? There's gotta yeah. be a scapegoat because it can't possibly be me. So that scapegoat becomes things that, per that are perce perceived to be out of the norm. So Satanism, metal music, D and D, yeah, yeah, uh, scary movies. Like, so Satanic Panic wasn't just about music; it was about uh, literature and movies too. Yeah. But we're we're focusing on music here, especially like later on. We're going to talk about like the trials, like heavy metal music went to court. Wow, <laughs> and some crazy people defended it, and it's amazing. Like very famous people defended uh 
like the basically the right to free speech against this insane committee. And we're going to talk about that later on. Wow. Uh, very, very unlikely people, but you realize how smart they actually are. This kind of proved that musician musicians aren't just all dumb stoners. Like the people that stood up to represent music. Yeah. Is they, it's, the things they say are incredible and very well-spoken. I almost want to guess, but I'm afraid to. I, will you, I want because, you to, I want you to guess, but later, yeah, later, but I will encourage you. I, I am just afraid to, because of the Jimi Hendrix episode and how right I was. With you my were guess. so fucking <laughs> so mad. And it was a joke. I was joking. I, I, I know you were <laughs> was so mad. I couldn't spring that on you to see your face, but you and your giant goddamn brain. Just, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell, tell you what. what. <laughs> okay let's get into it all right right. so they needed a scapegoat heavy metal music became that scapegoat or one you know one of the scapegoats anyway uh bands like black sabbath didn't help you know because they were very much into like uh theatrical occult antics um even though we just we discovered last week ozzy was is is something of a catholic himself and yeah. was the whole occult thing was because he liked scary movies. So he's like, why not make it more of a theatrical thing? Like, yeah, it's just the theming that he had for, you know, it's, it's a show. It's a show, you know, let's, let's keep it entertaining. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, uh Rob zombie could come out in a three piece suit, uh, and sing Dragula completely straight faced into a microphone, like Michael Buble, nothing wrong with Michael Buble. Yeah. Just, um, that, you know, that fits his style of music. But he could come out and sing Dragula the exact same way he sings on the record in a three-piece suit, but it just doesn't land, right? You know, I think for a one-off concert, a one-off that concert. would be hilarious. Okay, yeah, but it'd be hilarious as a novelty, but if that yeah. was like his act, it, would, it wouldn't work. If he like dressed up as Elvis and did all the hip movements and everything, but he's still Dragula. singing his own songs. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. More human than human. Picture it. <laughs> um, uh, one of the most damning programs on heavy metal music, and um, one of the links I'll we'll try to like share these because it is, in it, it would not fly today. Let's just say this news, this news special, this 2020 news special. Oh, it is so inflammatory. And there's, there is no hold bars. They're showing dead dogs on screen. They're wow. showing really, really, uh, you know, blanked out. Like, you know, there's a, a, a woman completely topless in one scene, but with, you know, blanked out. Yeah. Uh, you know, nipples and stuff, but like the things that like, people would say no to like uh, things that have to get filtered before they go onto public fucking broadcast. Wow. This is a no, like unrated news base. Yeah. And in 1985, in um, May of 1985, the news program 2020 ran a segment on Satan worship that described animal mutilations. as clearly used in some court, some kind of bizarre ritual uh, rock music associated with devil, devil worship, satanic graffiti, and backwards messages in pop music. And throughout this special, can I note that the people that are presenting these cases look like the boringest people. Yeah. If 
non-flavored oatmeal became a person. <laughs> Dude, they're so boring looking. Oh my gosh. They oh my god, they I can't yeah, this better just porridge that put on a necktie. And just <laughs> I, I don't like music that's too The spicy. yellow pages in a suit. Hey, at least the yellow pages was useful <laughs> back in the day. For those who aren't aware, this we used to just, have to look up more numbers in a big book that got dropped off yeah. your house every month. Yeah. It's not just for leveling out the workbench. You actually have phone numbers. <laughs> like I had, I had, of course I had mine. I had, I had a uh, dog eared for like hungry alleys. Yeah. <laughs> That's so much pizza. So so we've talked about what, what satanic panic is, but now we're going to talk about what actually caused it. So like definitively, we actually kind of have where it, where it like began or at least where like it really, really formed into what it is kind of like Satanism. Oh yeah. Satanism yeah. was just kind of like a, it was kind of a, it was more of a concept. Like he, there might've been like small pockets of like worshipers and we're talking like Salem times, like old. Oh days. yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, olden days. So there was like, you know, little factions of people that may have worshiped Satan, but it wasn't a formed religion. There wasn't anything called the church of Satan before 1966. Oh. But in 1966, we have our boy Anton LaVey, who is featured in the Taylor Swift episode with the Illuminati. Yes. Um, he formed the Church of Satan in 1966, and that's it's referred to as uh, um, Levee Satanism. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know if you'd say Levee Satanism. I think it's just Levee Satanism, but it's 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 a having its own like rules and um, uh, being formed like a church. Would. Yeah, he union unionized Satanism. <laughs> Make sure you're kidding. Here's here's what we do, folks. Here's Make sure to pay your dues. Yeah. uh the simple and this is as stated in the we cover this more in detail in the illuminati episode with taylor swift but um the the very simple definition of levee satanism and this this gets more complicated than this but just for the purposes of our understanding here is that levee satanism is the worship of oneself like you are your own god you can like you don't really care so much about other people. Like your focus is on yourself. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I think they called it like an, uh, an ethical egoism or something like that huh. or yeah, ethical uh, narcissism, something like that. But basically you are your priority pretty yeah. much. And yeah. like, and that's very, very simplified, but it, it, for this case, that's what we need to know. So that started in 1966 and was already like a counterculture thing that kind of like, you know, you have like the fifties, you've got the white picket fence, white bread, blah, 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 yeah. nuclear family stuff. Um, you know, and then you get like the sixties where it's like, you know, these kids from those houses grow up. Like, I don't want to be like mom and dad. I want to be like uh Jimi Hendrix or I want to be, you know, a, a flower child covered in mud and a concert, I think New York. Yeah. Um. So you did the, there was a lot of like counter stuff happening in you know 1966. Like, you know, there's a lot of spiritualism and seeking other things outside of Christianity. Satanism was one of those options. Uh, yeah. 
And, um, you know, so it was already there. It's not like, boom, the 80s happened, and then Satan just happened. Yeah. It became more widespread. And, like, it, um, <laughs> Satanism's big hit was in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> never really, never really topped the charts after but that. I, I wonder, and I don't know if this is something you already have researched, but, uh, there is a religion that like specifically worships Lucifer. It, there's different branches of Satanism. Yeah. The, his is called like the church of Satanism. And like, that's why it's specifically LeVay Satanism. Mm. There's other branches that like, cause he's like Satanism's more of a concept. Yeah. And, but there are people who worship like Lucifer, like God, like, like yeah. uh, he's an actual deity, but that's, yeah, that's I, another branch. Cause there's a church. It was very, uh, all over the news when this happened, but there's a church who put up a statue of Beelzebub for the church of Satan or something like that. Oh, not that long ago. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, they're, they're a, uh, I want to say sanctified. That's a quite, it's not, that's not the right term, but they're like, it's a legit rec- government recognized religion. So like they're yeah. free to, they're free to do that. And and that was basically, I feel like the reason they did it was just like, no, if you're allowing a, a statue of a cross, you have to legally allow this. Yeah. And that's, and that is actually, um, basically that's, you know, your right to free speech. Yeah. You know, if it's and if freedom it's, of religion and freedom of religion. And, uh, that is the first amendment is big in this episode, especially, uh, later mm. on when you know, okay. the court. Okay. okay. So if you allow one thing to be fair, you have to allow yeah. the other. Yeah. That's if you, you know, like it or not, that's fair. Yeah. And what is considered fair and what is considered a group's opinion becomes a big part of uh restricting music. Mm. Big later. I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. Okay. So um, you know, parents, you know, can super conservative parents because Christ, like Christianity was, you know, it's it's still, I mean, it's still big now, but like Christianity, especially back in the day, like things were swayed a lot by Christian views like that was the kind of oh, the basis yeah. of, yeah. you know, so, you know, laws sometimes, even though they're supposed to be separate, you know, it, it, at least the morals definitely permeated a lot of things, film, TV, how you acted in society. Oh, music. definitely. Yeah. Um, so having this counterculture thing, people already didn't like it. They already knew about it. Like, you know, ain't gonna be no shaking in this house. Yeah. Um, people already knew about it, but kind of like individual pockets of individual houses kind of like, you know, quietly hated it is a good way to say it didn't do anything yet to merit a unified hatred until there. So there's a, just this insane and, the, and there's a huge case of it. I believe it was in California of uh, allegations of child abuse. Of, of like a, oh. It was like a preschool or like a nursery or something like that. Yeah. That began things because they claimed that, uh, you know, satanic rituals were happening to these children. Like people were oh. digging underneath the preschool, looking for these like secret tunnels that did not exist. All of Jeez. this stuff on allegations, no evidence. So people's lives were ruined and they like, you know, they went through the court cases um, they drug out for years, ruined the reputations of all the people that ran the, the preschool yeah. or just, you know, just generally like middle-aged ladies. 
watching kids and they, they their lives are ruined. They have to move town, you know, to go to different towns and hopefully change their names. Wow. Lives were ruined. But before, you know, all that stuff came out, like out that it was like the, the powder keg that the word like, you know, that that's what wow. started all yeah. that. So that brings us to um, what that, that makes it a widespread like household topic and what, unified all of these like super conservative uh, and potentially very boring people together. And that's like all the parents, millions and millions of people across like the United States uh, primarily rallied together uh, after the release of a book called Michelle remembers. Have you ever heard of that book? I have not. No. What does she remember? Well, Michelle remembers is a memoir uh, published in 1980. Okay. So in it, Michelle Smith shares her supposedly recovered memories of ritual abuse, um, ritual abuse at the hands of her mother and a coven of Satanists. Oh, recovered memories. So as in, I love how that works. Yep. According to these memories, helpfully uncovered by her psychiatrist, uh, she had been abused by Satanists when she was five years old in some creatively sadistic and cinematically inspired ways. Um, I don't want to get into like the details of exactly what happened. Um, uh, um, but, uh, the book has since been, uh, discredited, you know, so it, okay. it's, it's, it's a bunch yeah. of bullshit. Yeah. But before it was discredited, uh, it's, a uh, so it's co-written by a Canadian psychiatrist, Lawrence, uh, Pazder, Lawrence Pazder, P-A-Z-D-E-R. I'm going with Pazder. Um, and his, uh, in his patient, Michelle Smith, it was a bestseller. Michelle remembers relied on discredited, the discredited practice of recovery memory therapy to make sweeping lurid claims about satanic ritual abuse involving Smith. So the whole thing is on claims she makes from shit. She just suddenly remembered. It's so weird what happens when people get too bored, right? Yeah. And then they were taken as fact this book is published as a bunch of facts. Like this actually wow. happened. This isn't fiction. She's, oh, this, I, I, I can see it now. You know, this came out in 1980 in the 80s published in the eighties. Wow. This is literally like a, a real life, like soap opera book of things that she just remembered. Yeah. And this was a licensed, this is a psychiatrist. major. Yeah. Yeah. Therapist. Wow. Oh, we're going to talk about him here in a minute. Just coming up. Oh, oh, I had to look into him. I had to look into him because <laughs> I got some shit to throw at the wall. Um, uh, so the book was a major part of the rise of moral panic in the 1980s. So this was a major player. And like, so people, like I said earlier, in their own households hated Satanism, you know, and yeah, yeah. anything that wasn't considered Christian. Thank you, Siri. Oh, God. <laughs> She's listening. She's either a Satanist. <laughs> She's very interested in this time. Or like that type of Christian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't hear what you saying. Delta, there, sorry. There's a SNL sketch where Will Ferrell uh, was playing like a, a, a drama teacher at a school. Yeah. And he's like, would you be willing to kiss if, if a scene required it? I know your parents are the difficult kind of Christian. I love that line. <laughs> the difficult kind of Christian. 
Oh my god. <laughs> it's that's it's pretty good. Um yeah, so people you know, Satanists quietly hated it in their the privacy of their own households. This book comes out and that those you know, the allegations come out about that preschool. And now Michelle remembers becomes the the banner they all come under like she it happened here it's in a book it must be true which is a precursor to it happened on the internet it must be true yeah so it's <laughs> right. god so it's just like that became oh. the unified like um i was thinking it and then you said it <laughs> suddenly i started thinking it too <laughs> so um yeah remember this book claims to be fact like this is not a work of fiction wow um again no evidence is provided in the book uh all investigate all investigations in the book failed to corroborate any of its claims um, okay yeah uh nice. investors said that the content was primarily based on elements of popular culture and fiction that were popular at the time oh so the shit she's pulling out of her ass is just like what do they do in rosemary's baby yeah that would be interesting wouldn't it that wow. happened to me. It's like when Cartman takes like all like the lyrics, <laughs> switches and he replaces like "I need you, baby" with "I need you, Jesus." Oh my gosh! <laughs> you know that movie Soylent Green? Yeah, that happened to me. <laughs> I was a candy bar. <laughs> she turned me into a newt. I got better. I got better. So, uh, so I, I I wanted to put that in there because it just. It's bullshit. I mean, we're already like we're probably thinking it, but the book is just a, a it's wasted ink on paper. Wow. And uh Pazder, the psychiatrist, was considered, you know, before he was discredited at so he was considered an expert on the topic of satanic ritual abuse. Oh. He was the guy to go to. If you've been um, not just well, in cases involving satanic anything it's like we have a guy to call you know a guy who's not a satanist just an expert in it yeah uh seems a little fishy to me (laughs) so um surprise surprise what do you think happened when a book about satanic abuse came very popular to the public how do you, what do you think was it a, a result of that from the public's perspective? Yeah. What do you think? How do you think the, uh, what do you think happened as a result of a book about satanic ritual abuse being released into the public? Uh, a lot of that happened to me. Bingo. <laughs> so satanic ritual abuse cases skyrocketed in the 1980s. Uh. Uh, it's thought that the publication of Michelle Rimbers is actually responsible and of course it is nobody talks about satanic ritual abuse and so abuse on children is something that needed to be addressed like in my research of this it's sad because that was happening this weird seasoning of satanic ritual bullshit uh was is just that bullshit 99.99 percent of the time yeah um but what would happen is that if the uh, satanic part got thrown out. So did the rest of the case. So it would, so somebody oh. with a legit case about child abuse happened, 
this motherfucker gets involved and then he gets discredited and then they throw out the whole case because the satan the it's kind of like going for broke you know the, this thing taints the rest of the case and they bank the whole case on it so now the, the some creep gets away wow it's it this guy is a fucking monster and i bet you also have cases of like people that read those books and they're like oh that's a good idea <laughs> i'm gonna try that i would say um not often not but. often and it would be the tiny percentage of the same amount of people that would be inspired by metal music as well because yeah. that process that thought process is the thought process of basically all the parents and stuff as a result of this book the same percentage of like the one uh charlie chaplin or no uh charles manson this is a charlie chaplin <laughs> the same percentage of the charles manson and the that, uh, and helter skelter but even that was influenced by shitloads of lsd <laughs> lsd and the beatles LSD, oh god god I see wonder. where that takes you well there was a lot of lsd in the beatles okay so, so i wonder if it just translates like it all makes perfect sense now <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so just so just suddenly you know out of no in those child abuse cases are happening and it needs to get addressed yeah but this does not help uh, the satanic bullshit. Um, the satanic scapegoat. Bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, I wanted to clarify that because I'm, I'm not your beliefs are your beliefs. I'm just saying satan- Satanism as a scapegoat bullshit, not Satanism as a, you know. Yeah. 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 Um, so. Yeah, of course. So nothing of the satanic ritual stuff before the book comes out and then suddenly it is every other word. In hundreds, you know, upon thousands of child abuse cases, there are literal, it's a five digit to, I think it's a five digit number that happened throughout the eighties of child abuse cases related to Satanism. You know, I'm sorry, general abuse cases, including child abuse. I'm sorry. I think it's more than just being very bored. It's also just lazy because when you have the. Like and fucking stupid. Yeah. When well, when you have that combination of bored and lazy, it's like one, I'm bored, so I I want the excitement, and two, I'm too lazy to do my own research, so I'm just gonna believe whatever you tell me, because it's exciting yeah. and I'm lazy. Yeah, that's a terrifying combination. I mean, like with bullshit authors, at least the 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 idiot that wrote the Orion book that uh, that turned into like the Elvis conspiracy book. Um, that we we talked about in our first episode she's an asshole but at least like she didn't like kill elvis you know yeah she just kind of talked a bunch of shit after he died and just obvious shit this guy ruined several legit court cases of abuse yeah this guy's a fucking monster should say uh, actually i'm not going to spoil anything he's a fucking monster because if you put out something that winds up like he should have known like he he wrote this he's a acclaimed psych accredited psychiatrist and he's going out there claiming to be an expert of course at some point this is going to be used as some kind of referential text because there's not many on the subject mm. um but i i don't think he i don't think anybody can predict the fact that maybe they're going to be in a court case one day but if you're presenting something as a fact 
you like need to be ready to accept the responsibilities of that. Yeah. Like it is. Yeah. I mean, we're doing research on, you know, history that's happened already. And I, we did, me and Dakota did a lot of work on this, on this episode. We have a lot of references to what we're talking about and they're all pretty good references. It's all accredited magazines and stuff like that. Um, I'd be a little leery about going to court if I had to present this, you know yeah. what I mean? but, yeah. but, um, I know what we're talking about is as accurate as we can be about it. And we wholeheartedly want it to be that way. This jackass is spouting bullshit. And then he just keeps doubling and tripling down in fucking court. Wow. That is awful. Um, he appeared on news reports. He was on that 2020 special. Um, he's teaching fucking police about Satanism. Like they they will hire him to come in to talk to police. Oh God! Um, uh, on ritual abuse, uh, he in 1987 Pasner reported he was spending a third of his time consulting on satanic ritual abuse cases. Um, prosecutors prosecutors used the book and guide appearances uh, preparing cases against uh, Satanists, and um, you know he taught seminars. This guy's a monster. Um, but, but I, I did want to, I did want to sprinkle just a little bit of light on the end okay. of the story. Okay. Uh, he's a hypocrite and piece of shit. We all knew piece of shit. Okay. Part. Yeah. That's the light. But he's also a hypocrite. So I have this titled under super professional, <laughs> uh, Pazner, uh, met his first wife, uh, and his first wife, Marilyn had four children together and were married for many years. Until he developed a relationship with one of his patients, Michelle Smith, who just so happens to be the person he wrote the book with. Oh. Fooling around on his wife of many years with a patient that was still his patient as a psychiatrist. And that is the number one taboo from doctor to client uh, relationship. That is a number one. Do not cross this. But line. I mean, he couldn't tell his wife because doctor patient confidentiality. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so um, being that we kind of defined. So he was a Satanist. Is exact. <laughs> God damn it. That's exa- You ruined my fucking joke. <laughs> written right here. Seems really indulgent. He might be a Satanist after all. You goddamn. <laughs> Get out of my mind. <laughs> There's a reason why we work well together, Ty. God damn it, Joe. We think a lot of the same things. When, you, when you get your show off the ground, I'm going <laughs> to fucking just ruin. Oh, there's going to be tons of moments. Uh, uh, just for reference, I'm thinking about starting a podcast about comic books and uh, the likes. Uh, as someone who is a, a big fan myself of of comic books tweet it tweet us tell him he should yeah tell tell us what you think that if you would like that but uh there will be tons of opportunities for you to like uh guess things and and i i think you can do this a lot of the same that i'm doing to you to me fucking monster once you get that stage oh we'd be switching switching so you'd be hosting and yes, i would walk yes. in uh with my kind of basic understanding of the subject i'm not going to give it yeah away. it's it's something where like if you watch movies that's how much uh, information most people have about where I'm it's at. Just a li- I'm a little bit beyond that. Okay. But I'm excited. I'm excited for you. To, I hope you, hey, yeah. hope you start soon. Um, <laughs> God damn it. 
God damn it. I was, I was excited <laughs> about that joke. Oh, also, um, P.S. He's dead. He died of heart failure in 2004. Oh, nice. Bearing the weight of all the shame. He reincarnated as a goat. <laughs> Ken Lanning, a former FBI agent and worked on hundreds of abuse cases with the uh, Bureau's behavioral science uh, unit, said, when people get emotionally involved in an issue, common sense and reason go out the window. People believe what they want and need to believe. So I thought that was. Oh, that is very true. I, I thought like that, that was a very apt quote for. I mean, that can go. Yeah, that that's true today. Yeah. So I thought she was very well spoken there and um, it kind of very much applied to just like, it can't be us. It's got to, you know, you know, I, I can't, ex- you know, it's not uh, my kid doesn't believe what I believe. It's Satan influencing him. And these things are causing my kid to. Yeah. Not follow the right path. It's it's hard sometimes to hold your emotion back when there's facts involved. It is. It is. And it's I 100% right here too like it's it's tough to go yeah you're right. You know, it's especially when it concerns the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I will give you the Beatles. I will I will nearly die on a hill. <laughs> my my disdain for John Lennon's career. But at least you're one of those people who can recognize like, yes, I recognize the pull they and influence that they had on music today. But you, you, even you putting your emotions on how much you dislike their. <laughs> That's true. It's, and five finger death punch. Don't forget about five. Finger yeah. death punch. Special place <laughs> in my heart for my distaste. Uh, but there's some big changes happening in the uh, 1980s. We got more divorce. Um. Well, I should say it's just the lead with that, but basically it's times are changing, you know, like uh, there's a lot of upset also that we wanted to, wanted to talk about in this. And like, you know, a lot of, you know, dad goes to work, mom's at home cleaning, you know, kid goes to school, comes back, does his homework, drinks his milk, you know, yeah. that nuclear like preset roast in the oven for dinner every night, leave it to beaver life. Like that is kind of, and it's a hyperbole of that, but you know what I mean? It's that's, that was the kind of, we're, we're, we're good people. We, we go to church on Sunday and you know, and whatever the uh, back when I was a boy time. Yeah. Uphill both ways. Uh, so, but the eighties were kind of times of people kind of, I mean, especially for women, let just kind yeah. of yeah. learning. They had more options. <laughs> it's, <laughs> <pretty real. laughs> it's like, it's kind of like in the, I mean, it's not like, I mean, I'm not going to discredit like all the movements that happened beforehand, but we're getting into the eighties and then like women's like this in general, women just like, wait, I have options. Yeah. I can have a, a career, the the real C word, a, a career of benefits and everything. I don't have to stay with this guy who looks like he's from better call Saul. I <laughs> yeah. mean, I don't have to put a roast in the oven. I can, I can have a taco night, you know? It's, uh, so yeah, dude. Uh, so they just, you know, people, cause some, you know, it was just a thing. You got married and you stay married. That's a Christian, a very, yeah. very steadfast yeah. Christian belief. But, uh, when more like, uh, I guess you could say more liberal ideas entered the mainstream. Um, when we're like, yeah, I'm no, I don't have to stay with this guy. <laughs> so, yeah. So people that were presumably not in really happy marriages to begin with suddenly decided that they didn't need those, 
know, they wanted to be, you know, they had other options to explore. So uh, divorce was pretty big in the 80s. Um, but also he had the, um, you know, uh, so women are like, they're, they're kind of pursuing careers now. They're not just stay at home moms anymore. Uh, tabloid TV was emerging and tabloid TV was usually, uh, like it's actually kind of what Ron, uh, uh, Anchorman two was about. Mm. You've seen that movie where it's like the graphics and the sensationalized stories and heavy emphasis on crime and celebrity news. Like it's, yeah, it's more flash and less fact. Oh. Uh, it's more to like get you and pull you into the screen and to talk about, you know, these more car chases, more car chases. Yeah. What was it? She was going to like, just like to like settle like uh, some, some Eastern diplomat. And like, she was going to have like, you know, the, the, one of the most important interviews of a lifetime. Yeah. I think it's cut off by a <laughs> just like, chase. Oh, we're on hour three. The white Bronco seems to be on the interstate. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. That's one of the few sequels that is truly great, but very poignant about the news and my Frank about the news. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. My thoughts exactly. But like, so it became more about getting you in front of the TV. Cause like, you know, the views are, you know, that's how they get paid is views. Yeah. And they, you know, it's like junk food. Of course, everybody likes junk food more than a salad. A salad's yeah. good for you. And junk food, gonna make you lazy and you're not gonna feel good afterwards it's great in the moment but ultimately it's not good for you yeah as much as we love it i had chick-fil-a tonight <laughs> it feels so great afterwards but it was really good at the moment <laughs> um i'm drinking a can of your two- hands are shaking as you're holding it <laughs> 200 milligrams of caffeine and I feel great right now. <laughs> How many fingers am I holding? <laughs> Seven. <laughs> <laughs> you tell the other one. Yeah. You tell the other half of your face to be quiet. <laughs> so between 1985 and 1989, uh, TV host uh, uh, Geraldo Rivera, Oprah Winfrey, uh, Larry King, uh, all had shows about devil worship and witchcraft. Like these are people. So again, remember no internet. And if there was internet towards the later part of the eighties, I think internet came in the nineties, but yeah. Uh, and if there was internet, it was super slow and killed all communication in the house. Like get that yeah. dial up sound. Yeah. Um. So like Oprah and like Larry King, especially had lots of pull when they said stuff they carried. I mean, they still do. Well, Larry King, not so much, but, because he's dead, yeah, but uh, yeah, Oprah yeah. Winfrey um, still carries a lot of weight what she says. But if Dr. she says Phil. something, uh, <laughs> uh, but if she says something, you can fact check it. You know, you can, you can be your own guide. I mean, a lot of people don't, but I mean, it, if she says something, you go, I'm not so sure about that, and then look it up. But in the 80s, you're like, well, 100% Oprah. What else you got? Yeah, yeah, Doctor Phil, I really do believe every metaphor you say. Was was he? I don't think he was in the eighties. No, I think he was nineties. Yeah, you're not a monster. You're only a monster when you drink. <laughs> I love Doctor Phil's accent and his way, his of folksy, doing, his folksy one-liners of doing metaphors. You can't hide a Mars bar inside your pillowcase. It just doesn't make any sense. It's unrelated 
to the the topic at hand and doesn't offer any actual sound advice, but it's there. It sounds like something Matthew McConaughey wrote down. <laughs> can't hide a Mars bar in your pillowcase, but you can't put it in the glove box of your Lankin. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm not as good as it is you are. So metal music is also happening at this time. The right place at the wrong time. Hell yeah. So, you know, 60s, 70s, especially, you've got the emergence, you know, like the the proto generators of heavy metal with like uh, Led Zeppelin, um, especially Black Sabbath, you know, oh, yeah. doing that theatrical stuff. And then it's inspiring people that are young at that point. But, you know, by the time, they're in the eighties. They're starting their own bands and stuff. You've know, got Metallica starting in the eighties, uh, wasp, um, uh, trying to these, uh, well, Cinderella is more of a glam band, but, uh, Ted Nugent, you know, all these like heavier metal guys, Van Halen, especially. Yeah. Like you would consider, I mean, at the time Sabbath would probably be considered quote heavy metal, but really they're like hard rock. And then it fades and, you know, metal really kind of happened in the 80s, ACDCs, late 70s, but really kind of kicked off the 80s, 90s. Um, uh, it, it's just, it's edgier, it's heavier, and specifically sexier, especially with a lot of bands like Cinderella, Rat, Poison, yeah, uh, Guns N' Roses, uh, Van Halen, going back to them, just like, you know, Hot hot babes on the top of car hoods and stuff like that in the music videos, especially the subject matter is all but in your face about what they're doing. <laughs> Just prom- promoting divorce with the <laughs> <laughs> promoting divorce and spandex. Hell yeah. Um so um hard rock music with bands like uh, Coven, Led Zeppelin, ACDC. Uh, Black Sabbath and Alice Cooper were all dabbling in the occult and pagan imagery in their music. And, you know, again, sometimes entering their stage shows. Um, ACDC's got the Hell's Bell, like the giant bell they drag out. They've got uh, Angus Young with like, you know, and a giant inflatable with Angus Young with the horns. I mean, Led Zeppelin's got tarot cards imagery, yeah. like the guy with the lantern. Um, uh, Black Alice Cooper was started the shock rock thing. Like yeah. uh, you've got a lot of people that need to thank like Iggy pop and Alice Cooper for like the, the really over the top showman show, like yeah. snakes and blood and the eye makeup that he still wears to this day. I think that's just part of him now. I don't, <laughs> I don't just, know if he can really get it off anymore. His eyes are just permanently stained. Yeah. Uh, but in the, also in the 1980s, you've got heavy metal bands that are like, you know, you've got rock bands that become metal, but then you've got metal bands that happen in the eighties. Like they just, they don't fade into it. They start from you know, yeah. that's, that's, that's zero for them is starting in heavy metal. And that's Iron Maiden, Venom, Judas Priest. Yeah. Um, uh, Judas Priest, I think was actually late seventies, but they became the Judas Priest. We know uh, from like the eighties, but like Iron Maiden was definitely eighties. Um, uh, even pop music became what it kind of, you know, what, 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 what kind of more what it is now. Cause pop music back in the day 
was a lot of like Frank Sinatra, Frank Sinatra, you know, uh, my girl, um, more on the innocent side of things. Like there were, there were some raunchy songs like ring my bell and things like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But then like in the eighties, you get Madonna, Cindy Lauper and, uh, the embodiment of sex itself, Prince. Oh yeah. I think he just is like, if sex was a person, it's Prince. Prince, it's just him from the Purple Rain cover, <laughs> riding it on a motorcycle. Um, da, da, da. and uh, parents were already hating them. Like, you know, no surprise. Like we were talking about conservative values earlier, and we get into uh people explicitly talking about sex, like hot for the teacher. Uh, <laughs> I've got my pencil. Give me something to write on. What do you think that's about? Taking um, an essay. Writing <laughs> an essay. <laughs> this essay is hard. Taking the SATs. Hey, everybody. I'm Amber. And I'm Maddie. And, and we're Witches Talking Tarot. tarot. And we've brought you a show all about the occult. We're talking different lores and mythology. Yes, creature features, cryptids, aliens, you name it, we'll cover it. Conspiracy theories. Absolutely. And pagan holidays and 100%. Practices. All eight of them. Yes. Spiritual living, you yeah. name it. That's right. We've got it for you. So if you want, come sit with us for a spell and let us make you laugh. We are Witches Talking Tarot. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> sorry i'm sorry everyone but uh yeah themes of rebellion sex violence and drugs challenged everything uh that had like previous moral like strong upstanding moral views and um yeah it became a with the release of that book like it became like a modern day Salem witch hunt. Um, millions of dollars were spent on prosecu uh, prosecutions that were mostly based on many people who were wrongfully sent to prison. Wow. So basically like, you know, uh, Satanism becomes the topic and then, uh, yeah, people just, just short of uh, pitchforks and torches, kind of like what happens in stranger things. <laughs> like it's, a literal town is looking for this guy. <laughs> That's crazy. But this guy instead is a music genre called metal. And, it, and metal is kind of caught up in it. So the Satanism and metal, like were kind of people already didn't like metal. People already didn't like Satanism. Michelle remembers comes out and now they're just lumped together. Like just because like, and it's kind of bad timing. I guess you could say too, because it's an, it's, the occult, and especially for me, I, it's an interesting subject. It's if you, even if you don't believe it, it's just it's fascinating to find out like why are why do tarot cards exist? Why you know who would think of that? What do they mean? You know, yeah. I know they have a lot of meanings depending on how they're laid out and stuff. Um, so it's just it's just cool to explore, and the idea, the concept of just exploration was just not a thing. Like it was just a taboo. You don't do it. Like there are set things that are, you're allowed to like, and then you just don't go beyond that. Yeah. So, 
um, metal music would. So Satanism already kind of had, you know, a religious like crosshairs on it. Like people already didn't like that for its own reasons. Yeah. And one of the reasons that metal gets wrapped up in that, like, you know, people don't like metal because it's edgier and sexier, but one of the reasons it becomes vilified is actually because it gets connected to some murders. Oh yes. Like literal, literal quote unquote connections to murders. Like they inspired these murders. What they say, like, you know, this is like the, this is the accusations that they inspired these murders. The, the Beatles white album. Um, no, cause that was seventies, oh. but, and not heavy metal. Come on. <laughs> no, the Beatles were like Tom Hanks. Like they had too much of, I know uh, a lot of people didn't like the Beatles, but I think they, they would definitely have more goody, goody appeal with like your parents would definitely let you listen to a Beatles album. Um, before they'd let you listen to a heavy metal album at this oh, time. Yeah. Definitely. Despite a lot of people thinking John Lennon was, and you know, he actually was a communist, you know? Oh. So, yeah. What do you not like more communist or Satanist? Uh, dude. Like, you, so that would be like that superhero. That's like staring at the, at the, oh, yeah, the buttons, the console. And it's just like, what do you like? What, you know, just staring at the two buttons. And it's like, what do you hate? Where is communist and then Satanist? And just him sweating, staring at it. <laughs> Old religious people. <laughs> ah, smoke. Bloody tears. Just can't decide. So one of these murders is the Ricky Casso uh, Say You Love Satan murder. The uh, Say You Love Satan murders. Oh. Um, Ricky Casso, a 17-year-old teen who lived in New York, uh, according to his parents, he used to be a model child and young athlete before he started getting into trouble uh, for theft and heavy drug use. He called himself the Acid King. The, the what? The Acid King. King. Okay. Sorry, I'm a little stuffy. Um, and I can only imagine the the rationale. Like, I am the Acid King. And it's like, dude, you you probably imagine that you're in a castle right now. So... <laughs> Uh, Casso's parents attempted to have him institutionalized at Long Island's Jewish hospital. However, a psychiatrist determined his mental health did not warrant institution uh, institutionalization and released him. So they even tried like that's the parents trying as hard as they can wow. to be like, this kid's got an issue. Like one way or another, he needs professional help. And a lot of people like, you know, as much as the eighties understood about mental health. Yeah which was uh, a couple steps above like taking a literal ice pick to your brain yeah. through your eye yeah. socket. Um, yeah. We're, we're a couple steps beyond that, but we're not quite where we're at now where yeah. it's like, maybe there's more to this. Now, and just kind of looking at him like, just kind of a doctor looking at him over. Ah, and he looks fine to me. Your eyes aren't dilated. You must be fine. Meanwhile, he's like, boop, I'm a king. <laughs> like, nice, fine. Nice, fine. Let him go. Why'd you waste my time? I think that screener was later fired after this new story. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, he put, he just puts a tag on like his ear, like, it, you know, uh, tested by tester B5. Yeah. Like inspected by B5. This one's good for the rest of the world. 
Uh, socially acceptable. Go be a mailman, boy. <laughs> you, maybe you'll be a doctor one day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all hail the king. Uh, his crimes, um, which are pretty bad. Uh, on June 19th, 1984, he brutally murdered a fellow teen uh, whose name was Guy Lauder, uh, Lauer's, Lauer's, sorry, L-A-U-W-E-R-S. Oh, go Lauer's, sorry. Uh, some, that sounds right. Um, allegedly in the name of the devil. Oh. So the story goes, uh, Ricky Casso, along with 18-year-old friend James uh, Traiano and uh, another local addict, and 17-year-old Albert Kianis, uh lured 17-year-old Lowers into the woods with a promise of getting high. Um, it's important to note that some of, uh, that sometime prior, Lowers stole drugs from Casso. Uh, so the four teens were tripping on LSD and started uh, you know, staring at a small fire. Uh, I'm sorry. I know that the murders, murders awful but it's out of four really high guys just mesmerized by fire <laughs> by, by flames by flames looking at it like a, a beavis and butthead <laughs> do america like uh, uh. Fire, fire. Fire, fire um uh so they were staring at a small fire and ricky demanded that gary remove his clothes and donate them to the fire when gary did not uh, Ricky and Gary started to fight, Albert said, and I watched. Uh, sorry, Ricky and Gary started to fight as Albert and I watched, Triano said. Uh, Casso then reportedly stabbed Lowers in the back, and Casso in, uh, insisted that Lowers profess his love for Satan. Uh, the victim cried out, I love you, Mom. So Lowers cried out, I love you, Mom, instead. Uh, Triano said Lowers tried to run, but Casso caught him and continued to plunge the knife into his back. Uh, Triano then described that he helped uh, Casso move Gary Lauer's body further into the woods and finding a spot to leave him. Uh, Casso uh, bent over the body and began chanting something about Satan. Thinking he saw Lauer's head move, Casso began. Okay, so real quick. Graphic. Okay. okay. It's been yeah. a little graphic, but graphic warning. Letting you guys know. Hide your kids. Hide your kids. Um, thinking he saw Lauer's head move, Casso began stabbing him multiple times in the face. Oh, and then the doped up teenagers then fled the horrific scene. Triano vividly recalls Ricky Casso laughing as they left the woods. So these are, so these are some like, so we're not going to get into like the, the full nitty gritty of like the, the, the trials and stuff. This is just kind of let you know what happened. There's, I think there's, we got one more. Um, these cases are very dense. Like we spent days cutting this down. Wow. So this is like the, the bare boiled down essentials, but they are very, very heavy cases. So like if you are interested, I um, definitely go check them out. They're, they're dense, especially the next one we have. It's a very famous one. But back to this story, what happened after uh, Lauer was murdered was, an anonymous uh, female student uh, tip, finally tipped off the police when she found Lawler's decomposed body in the uh, Azteca Woods on July 4th, 1984, a month after you know, the murder happened. Wow. Lawler's face was destroyed beyond recognition. How did she know to... 
me ask you this. How do you think she knew to tip the police off? Like, how do you think she knew that that might've been a thing that happened? Um, I'm trying to think. How do you think a student is a random student uh, from, you know, the, you know, the, the same school might think, okay, I might need to tell the police about this. Like worried enough to tell the police about it. Well, I, do we think she just stumbled onto a dead body on accident? No, she kind of knew to look for it. Was um, it already out in the news? Nope. Um, Casso, the guy who committed the murder, began boasting about the murder in school. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's this idiot is out there telling people he killed somebody and then once one you know, bless her. Uh, thought it was something that needed to be reported to the police. And uh, yeah, she told them, she's like, you might want to look into this. Uh, Cause this is a thing Jeez. that happened. She might, I think correction. I think she told the police and then they found the body a month later. I don't think she actually stumbled upon it. I'm sorry. Okay. She might not yeah. have physically actually stumbled upon it. Correction. Uh, but she did like hear about it and go, I'm worried about this. Please go look into it. And then, Ta-da. They, she even knew where to tell them to go look, I believe. Like, so he was boasting about like, guess what I did last weekend? Your weekend's nothing like mine. Oh, you went fishing? Oh, that's neat. Oh, wow. You caught a bass. Oh, I killed somebody. Just the silence after that. Is what's, <laughs> yeah. Is what yeah. I, just some, just some and the blank stare. Acided, uh, the acid king. Uh, so... <laughs> I can't make that joke. I want to so bad, but I don't is that his nickname at school? No, no, he calls himself the Acid King. But I, I, um, there's a joke I want to make. But I'm not. I have to cut it out. <laughs> um, the murder was a media sensation, and reporters descended upon the Long Island town in droves. Remember, tabloid TV is just eating this stuff up by the trothful. Wow. So this is just exactly what they're looking for. Yeah, I. That's it's sad. So, they get one example, and it's just like, yep, see what I said in that book? It's all true because of this one incident. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they, they have their, uh, he's like, well, now we have our reference material. I, I got a guy. Let's call him. Um, they were terrified that Ricky Casso was just one member of a larger murderous satanic cult. Uh, the ACDC t-shirt Castle wore during his arrest added fuel to a long existing fire that leaked heavy metal, that, that linked heavy metal music to satanic worship. That's the link. A fucking t-shirt. Is it the one where Angus Young has the horns? No, I, I saw the, I okay. saw the video. It's just a white long sleeve shirt, ACDC on the front. And I don't know what logos in the back, but it's not necessarily a satanic logo. It's okay. actually kind of a cool looking shirt. It was just a fucking plain ACDC t-shirt. Because I have the shirt, the ACDC t-shirt, where Angus Young, Angus Young has the uh, horns on him. From the what, Highway to Hell album cover? I think so. It's not that one. That one, of course, that album cover comes up because he's got the horns, but it's because he was a bad kid. I did accidentally wear that shirt to church. Not even thinking about it. Was, was it an accident? Was it no, an accident? No, it really was. Really? I just threw on a shirt because I was running late, but. No one said anything. It wasn't this big deal. I sure know that if I did that in the 80s, 
it probably would have been a big deal in a church for sure. But now you got like people that are like, I like it. Even the pastor is probably like, yeah, ACDC. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's how, that's how uh, evil they are. Um, but so it's a literal, like they bring him into the, the police station. He's handcuffed with an ACDC shirt and people are like, see it, see it. That's the evidence. That's all we have it on camera. He's wearing an ACDC oh. shirt and he's a Satanist. He said he worshiped Satan and that's what Satan would wear. A long sleeve white t-shirt. So it's not even about uh, like the imagery or anything on the shirt. It's literally just the fact that he was wearing it. Just literally like, so people already didn't like ACDC because of like yeah. some of the icon, uh, I, the iconography they used. Uh, like you're talking about the devil horns and the hell's exactly, hell, yeah. highway to hell, especially that album. Um, but, uh, so people are already like, like thinking things there, there's a, there's a fun thing they think about ACDC later. We're going to cover a little bit later, but, um, it's just the fact that a guy who says he worshiped, there it is. That's the proof we needed. I knew it. I knew yeah. it. They are devil worshipers. Yeah. We really talk a lot about it. Keep having cases of when someone's looking for something, they're going to find it. Oh man. I what's that. Dude, you know what? That's the next fucking shirt design is uh, just that word because I've got it in the first episode. Yeah. That word and its definition and then just the show logo. That's the next shirt. Yeah. It, I still am working on so much in conspiracy theories that with just people want to believe it's so hard. Any little remote excuse they have is proof to them. They exactly. find it in everything. Um, what the quote earlier from the FBI agent, it's just like people believe what they want to believe Yeah, you know, yeah. In, in these times, all common sense goes out the window. Like they will make you right. They will make their brains, make it make sense. Exactly. Um, PS on the shirt designs. I'm I've uh, off and on when I can get to it, I'm still working on everything is rope. I haven't necessarily <laughs> decided. I think I have a design you may like, uh, we'll I'll get with you on that. I'm going to have to re-listen to the episode so we can really get it right. Yeah. I've got, I've already got a list written down uh, during this time. Most heavy metal groups dismissed the hysterical accusations. Ozzy Osbourne of black Sabbath uh, once jokingly said, when we came out of the seat, when we came out of seeing the exorcist, we all had to stay in one room together. That's how black magic we are. As in they were so scared. They didn't all want to be alone. So they all stayed in a room together because <laughs> the exorcist scared them. <laughs> Will you be my buddy? Leave, leave the light on. Where's your exorcist, buddy? <laughs> Where was it with uh, with uh, um, uh, what I had heard was where's your BLs, buddy? <laughs> um, uh, check out what I had heard was we were we we're on them with an episode. They're they're pretty funny. Um, we had a blast. Yeah, episode. it was a good time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, check out their show. We're on their show a couple weeks ago. Uh, so please found uh, so. The jury acquitted Triano since his lawyer argued that the teen was so high that night that murder was, he was incapable of murder and uh, uh, because he couldn't distinguish reality from the effects of the drugs. Like he couldn't have killed anybody because he couldn't determine what was real and what was not. I think is a terrible. Which is the exact same reason like they give for why he killed someone. Right. Because he didn't know the difference between reality and. Well, with the, with Casso, we don't really know. Like I, he, like he, that could have been the case, but there's no definitive proof of that. And and sadly, 
uh, we're not going to find out because Ricky Cass, however, uh, never stood trial because two days after his arrest, he hanged himself with a bed sheet in his jail cell, uh, July 7th, 1984. Oh, okay. So, killed a guy. He died. What comes around goes around. I don't love the death penalty, but that seemed like a, I mean, he killed a guy. It's pretty obvious. He killed a guy. (laughs) What I'm wondering though, didn't someone help him move the body in the woods? Uh, That was um, Triano. Anything happened to that guy? Well, he, um, was it Triano? Double checking my notes. Uh, Acid King. Yeah, Triano described he, how he helped. Yeah, he moved his body into the woods, but he um, he was acquitted because they said he couldn't distinguish reality from like. So basically, he just got off. Oh, that was the one that. Okay. Yeah, Triano was the one who helped to move the body into the woods, and like, and the one that said he did. Oh, he doesn't know what's real and what's not. <laughs> just lawyers going, he's too stupid. He can't tell. I mean, he was really high, but I mean, I mean, the lawyer basically looked at the, like the looked at the judge, like judge, look at this guy. <laughs> come on <laughs> judgy come on <laughs> look at him look at that sad sack of shit see the lack of sparkle in his eye you see that <laughs> that man's gonna work at walmart till he's 43 look at him not even doing anything just being a great he's gonna be a stalker man i mean like shelved come on <laughs> so this next one again uh, we're getting into graphic territory. Now, this is a well-known case, so you're going to hear the name, and you're going to know this isn't one for the children. Um, Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. Uh, his case gets tied back into heavy metal as well for almost the exact same reason. It's pretty ridiculous. So who is Richard Ramirez? He's famously known as the Night Stalker, and he's an American, like he's just one of the the the... I don't want to call him the top, but like one of the most infamous uh, American serial killers. Uh, He's a rapist and a burglar who uh, murdered at least 13 people in California between 1984 and 85. Not the best of fellows. He is a, I mean, uh, I mean, he's just on the list of the worst people ever like Bundy Manson. uh, Yeah. Just. Um, so that again, his his um, his story, as evil as he is, is uh, wickedly fascinating. Like it, uh, getting into his like psyche and like just fall. I mean, I, I love true crime stories. So, like just he's just like one of like a the one of the Super Bowls of true crime, basically. Okay. Uh, but this is a condensed version because we're talking about more about how this affected metal music, so or just music in general. Um, so we're, we're just kind of condensed this down again. This is a way more dense story, um, that deserves its own, like your own dedication to listening to it specifically. So again, this is just like the, the spark notes. Uh, so in short, he stalked, raped and murdered at least 13 people terrorizing California, the state of California, uh, March 17th, 1985, uh, kind of like began his murder spree. Like he had killed somebody before. But um, kind of the ones he gets more known because that's why they say uh, maybe 13 because they 
Cause we like, we're seeing this 2020, like, you know, yeah. Hindsight 2020. You have to put yourself in the shoes of the investigators at the time. If there's like three murders that happen over the span of a week in California, there's no way for the, the investigators to know it's the same guy. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so what they're looking for is like, you know, it, even if, you know, pieces of shit like Ramirez claim the murders, they could also be full of shit. You know what I mean? So he's like, I killed a yeah, hundred people in California. And it's like, well, um, they go to look into those and then find out that he, you know, maybe, maybe he did like, uh, you know, in five of them or something like that. And then it just messes up the investigation. Um, but you can't, it's like, you, you, you want to just hear him say, okay, oh, seriously, how many people did you kill? And then they, you know, they're just not reliable people, obviously. Yeah. And then, um, they, there's no way for them at that time to like realistically connect the dots unless like really specific things happened. And they're able to make like these really like delicate timelines of like, if he was here, he could possibly be here this night and then here this night. Mm. Um, it's very, very complicated. Like it's, you have to remember like they didn't have all the information at once. Like we do different police departments at different times have the, you know, have the pockets of information. And over time we've compiled them together and now we know the whole story. Yeah. But you know, individual detectives, you know, the, the cops that are, you know, busting their asses on the cases like this, you know, they only have pieces of the puzzle and it, the puzzle is being created by an actual insane person. Yeah. Which makes getting more evidence even harder. Right. And reliable evidence. And like, I mean, with, with stuff like that, I mean, it's good that it's, it's as, you know, it takes a bit to get people convicted of things. You know, it, you, especially if you're innocent, you want it to be tough to be convicted of something. Yeah. But as we said earlier, for that to be true for the other side, it has to be tough to convict them. Yeah. Like, have you ever tried a mystery puzzle? I want, is that the one where you like, you, um, you get a box, you have to solve like a, a fake murder kind of thing. No, it's actually like a, a straight up, like a puzzle, like regular puzzle, but you just don't know what the actual image is that you're creating. Oh no, I haven't done one of those. So it's a, it's like, you can see on the puzzle pieces what it looks like, but you're only going off of each individual puzzle piece to what. Oh, there's would no connect. picture of like a of yeah. a bridge on the front. Yeah, no. It's, uh, Thomas it's creating Kincaid, the picture, but Thomas Kincaid deer on a on a riverbank. Yeah, but it doesn't have any of that, so you don't know what image you're creating until you're almost halfway there. That's kind of like what those detectives were had had to go through to get all that. Basically, you know? yeah, um, that's hard. Oh, quick side story. Uh, my art teacher in high school for like AP art um, hated Thomas Kincaid. Uh, well, hates still hates Thomas Kincaid because she just like she's just not into like his. Uh, I guess they call him like the painter of light because everything in his his painting is like really glowy and yeah, kind of over the top pretty. And it's just like the the standard for you know you know puzzles. Uh, scenic puzzles and stuff. So as a gag, I got her one of the puzzles. Yeah. But she also, uh, she's also kind of OCD. So I took one out. Oh God. <laughs> I gave her the did, you, did you make sure and try and find like one close to the center? So, you know, oh, I just took one out at random. <laughs> Cause that, that really fucks with them too. Is if you, 
you don't start with the corner piece. You don't like take one of the edges because they'll know that's missing pretty early on. You got to wait. You got to pick one out of the center. So that way, if they're building it from the edges, they're not going to know until they're almost done. <laughs> it's just the thought of her staring at a Thomas Kincaid puzzle. Picture like until it's completed, until not being able to complete it. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. You know who you are if you listen to this. Actually, I'm not sorry. It was a funny gag. Um, all right, so so back to back to reality. Sadly, um, so March seventeenth, nineteen eighty five. Ramirez's murder spree, as we know it, begins with the assault of Maria Hernandez in her home. Again, graphic warning. Though Hernandez managed to escape, her roommate, uh, Dale uh, Okazaki, uh, was not as fortunate. Uh, Okazaki, uh, that evening, Okazaki had come home, uh, and then uh, she, was also, she was in the house instead and became one of the murder victims. Like, I apologize. Um, yeah, so Maria made it out, and Dale did not. I apologize. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, Ramirez uh, still wasn't done. He, uh, and later in the same night, he shot and killed another victim named uh, Sai Lan Yu. Hope I said that correctly. I, I apologize. Um, at that crime scene, he apparently left an ACDC hat, which I, I've seen, which is like a leather hat, and it's just AC lightning bolt dc um verifying to the media at the time that he was a fan of the metal genre and uh the man the metal genre was just like what convinced him to become a murderer wow that's the evidence now they 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 found it um, imagine if you took a metal band a heavy metal band today and put them <laughs> playing then at just how much they would be attacked by this group. Oh, like, this group of like Karen's. Yeah. Then, like, like if you took Opeth, theory. if you took Opeth and you just <laughs> inserted Your music's them. pretty sometimes, but then your music's like really scary. <laughs> like, like half of the time. Thank you. Oh worship I'd go the other route. I'd leave a Barry Manilow hat. See the crime. <laughs> What now, fuckers? <laughs> <laughs> what what if like it was a um a Liberace hat? Just it had like, you know, oh no, an Elton John hat. It had like a little feather on it, like some sparkles. <laughs> some Dolly Parton. I'll, I'll be your tiny dancer. <laughs> Uh, sorry, not to not to make light of the murder. It's just the ridiculousness of them seeing a hat and going, "See, the Satan wears trucker caps." Snap back, <laughs> snap back to the devil. Uh, Ray Garcia, a boyhood friend of the Ramirez, the Ramirez of the Ramirez. Ray Garcia, a boyhood friend of Ramirez, initially confirmed that uh, he loved ACDC. That Ramirez was a big ACDC fan, but to be honest. Who isn't who likes rock music uh, or metal music to some degree? Like, yeah. It's just kind of one of those like standards. Like, you may not love them. I don't like, I'm not the biggest ACDC fan, but if an ACDC song comes on, especially if it's like Highway to Hell, cranking it, it's a good song. Yeah. Um, and it just, just so happens that in that span of millions and millions and millions of fans, one of them is a crazy murderer. 
Yeah. But I mean, that's anybody. That's uh, that could, could literally happen to any anyone. Genre. Yeah. So, yeah. So waiting on the. Barry. I love Garth Brooks. And goes out and murders twelve that night. That's say you love the dance. Say you love the dance. <laughs> I've got friends in low places, <laughs> like hell. <laughs> I made no version of that song. Um, the Alan Jackson murders and take God. you down to Chattahoochee. <laughs> um, so of of course that. Uh, this ACDC connection turned into the amazing headlines from tabloid TV uh, quote ACDC made me. Uh, so this is a, this is a headline ACDC music made me kill at 16 night stalker admits mass killer driven by rock and devil worship. So that's another headline, another headline punk and metal. Some youth love the violent side. Uh, another report suggested that the ACDC, the acronym stood for Antichrist slash devil's child. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh. Um side note on that, the co-founding band members, the the young brothers, as in Malcolm and Angus Young, uh said they came up with a name because it was the it was initials they saw on their sister's sewing machine, and it just stands for electrical power. Yeah. There's literally a lightning bolt. Alternating current and direct current. That's what that stands for. Yes. It's just it comes from a sewing machine. Literally, oh a gosh. lightning bolt is in the fucking look. Oh, man. Jeez. Um, oh. they, they quote, they're quoted saying, um, it's been called everything since, you know, the meaning of the, the letters, Malcolm Young said. Um, you tell them it's a sewing machine story and they're still going to think, no, there's more to this. And he's like, no, it's literally alternating current you know yeah uh even richard uh even uh ramirez said the, the night killer himself said the world has been fed many lies about me uh i have read very few truths i don't really give a shit about many of this guy's truths but he added that serial killers are product of their times and these are bloodthirsty times so now we're definitely getting into Graphic territory. I, was, I, I misspoke. I, I thought we were getting to this section a little bit earlier. This is graphic territory. Okay. Okay. No children. Five, four, three, two. Go to your rooms. Um, Ramirez established a style with the murder of a 64 year old woman named, uh, uh, sorry, a 64 year old man named Vincent Zazara and his 44 year old wife, Maxine. Uh, this, which this quote unquote style began with shoot and kill the husband, you know, the threat, uh, it, you know, the perceived threat in the situation yeah, and then assault and stab the wife. But his murder with Maxine was very ghastly as he gouged out her eyes. Unlike some serial killers who have a type, Richard Ramirez murdered both men and women and preyed on victims, both young and old. Like he went after everybody because usually serial killers. Yeah do have like a specific there's a you know i hated mother that's why i go after middle-aged women you know or yeah. you know things like that um that's a uh dan cummins reference if you're if you've ever heard this podcast <laughs> highly recommend it love dan cummins um 
Yeah, so he attacked people with young and old. Many attacks includes uh, a satanic element as well. So he was actually very much into Satan, and he made sure that it was a part of what he did. Oh. So he was the Satanist, not ACDC. And not even, it it wasn't like the Leviathan Satanism. The, what was it Leve, called? Leve Satanism. Yeah. It, it was actually like Lucifer Satanism. Uh, there's there's a term for it. I think it's like um, uh, personal Satanism or like th- there's a term for basically like your own definition of Satanism. So it's not it's, mm. it's, it's just kind of like even in terms of like if you had somebody that was a hardcore Satanist would be like, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. Um, uh, so. He would include this thematic element to his. Uh, he would make he would make them these kind of ritualistic killings. Wow. Um, so in some cases, Ramirez would carve pentagrams into his victims' bodies. In other cases, he would force his victims to swear their love for Satan. Uh, August 1985, he was spotted outside a witness's home and was ac- and accidentally left a footprint behind. And he also left his car license plate in plain sight. Oh, nice. So the LAPD was able to identify Richard Ramirez thanks to their new computer database on fingerprints. So again, we're thinking you're in the eighties, even fingerprint technology is not out yet. Wow. So this huge database we have now did not exist then. And the database they did have was like very, a very limited set. It was just luckily that Ramirez was such a piece of shit. He had been in the system before. Oh, and they were able to match him like through um, a witness testimony. Like the, the, the woman who survived an initial attack was able to describe him. He had mug shots and they took that and the mug shots and the fingerprints, put them together and they finally ID'd their guy. Wow. So it's a, it's a combination of a woman being incredibly lucky getting out of an awful situation. Um, like the worst situation. Yeah. And then, uh, innovation and then good police work like it all just came together to collect to uh get this piece of shit off the streets um ramirez because you know technology and stuff like that didn't exist he didn't even know his picture was out there like they released his mug shots you know wanted and all that kind of stuff wow and uh, he he was like uh he was traveling back to los angeles uh when he saw like his pace being his face being posted everywhere and that's when he learned he was wanted specifically. Like they, they figured out who he was. Um, I can't believe how easy it was to commit crimes back in the day. Right. Like he didn't even know he was because it was such a out there concept of someone in that time to, Oh, there's wanted posters of me already. Like they well, know what I look like. Well, previous wanted posters was you going, well, he had big eyes and his yeah. nose was, was pointy, but not too pointy. Like it was, it was, you know what I mean? Uh, he had a, it wasn't an obtuse triangle. It was more of an acute triangle. If I had to guess, he had two ears. I'm very certain of that. I, well, I, if I, I put money on, he had two ears, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it was all drawn and yeah, it's yeah. just like, and just like you know, some art, very sheet. vague. looks like everybody. Yeah, yeah. Some some art student just like you know, art school's not gonna get me anywhere. How about now, Dad? Yeah. So, um, 
He saw his own face in the newspapers and he tried to flee, stealing a car in the process, but he was tracked down by a vigilante mob that recognized him. Um, the mob beat him relentlessly and one man, uh, apparently at least one person was hitting him with a metal pipe. Hell and, yeah. And by the time police arrive, uh, arrived, Ramirez was, was thanking them for arresting him and getting him away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes we just need to let the mob handle it. You know, um, you know, those, I mean, I don't really, I don't really, again, I'm not really for like, I don't love capital punishment. Uh, and I am also not really one for like mobs doing anything on, on the internet or in real life. But when it's a case, when it's an open and closed case like this, like it's like, it's pretty evident. Like there's no real guessing here. Yeah. And um, you know, the cops, <laughs> the other cops rolling up to the scene. Uh, they're just like, is that holy shit, Terrence? That's, 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 that's the guy we're looking for. And just, oh, that man's got a big old pipe. No, no, let him one more time. One more time. It wasn't a good swing. Give him another one. Get out of the car. No, man. man it's hot outside. And one Mississippi. Give him five Mississippi. Come on. One the, Mississippi per per person. That's 13 Mississippi. Hang on. Hang back. The the mobsters see the cops roll up and they're like, oh, let's get out of here. And it's like, no, no, didn't mean to startle you. The cops just like, my glasses. I can't see anything. Damn these heels. I think I dropped my phone a mile back. I'm a circle back around you you guys take your time is that a mob holy shit my favorite coffee place they take forever <laughs> sure is a long line i could see it from here oh no no ma'am you could go in front of me i'll, I'll yeah I, i'm in no hurry ma'am <laughs> i i just hope if i was a man i would, I would not be a good cop yeah yeah that, <laughs> thinking about it yeah no i wouldn't be you just kind of let the universe work itself out in some way sometimes. <laughs> you know, I like to think of it like an immune system attacking a foreign virus. <laughs> Except this immune system has a lead pipe. <laughs> and that virus is a piece of shit. That lead pipe is what we call antibodies. And <laughs> <laughs> Look, kids, science in action. <laughs> That's the emergency working. Ooh, science has a good underhand swing. <laughs> That virus is missing teeth. Uh, so what happened, <laughs> what happened after? So, I don't want to root for a man's death, but in the case of uh, Ramirez, unfortunately, he was alive when he was in the back of the police car. So he was found guilty of 13 counts of murder. Again, they don't know the exact number, but that they could pin 13 on him. Um, uh, authorities also found him responsible for committing several rapes, assaults, and burglaries. But they really like... It's one of those things they kind of have to choose from what I've understanding about like true crime, true crime stories and like different court cases is that like you, you kind of like with some things like you kind of have to pick what is going to stick. I don't mean, I don't mean for that to rhyme, but like with the murder, they, it, you kind of got to go with the most evidence you have. Like, even though you want him, all of his like horrible deeds to be read out on a list, just like, these are the reasons, and this is the justice these people deserve. You sometimes just have to go with like the lawyers need to get what they have the most evidence on to make sure that piece of shit goes behind bars. Yeah. And and sadly, it's about the end result instead of like, is it the end result he gets behind bars or or capital punishment? Like, so uh, I don't think the other ones like were pursued as much. I don't know how much they added on to his time, but they definitely got him for the thirteen counts of murder. 
Yeah. Um, he was sent to, he was sentenced to death by the gas chamber for his crimes. And he smiled in response. Piece of shit. Uh, Ramirez said, I am I'm beyond good and evil. I will be avenged. Lucifer dwells in us all. That's it. End quote. Okay. Really given, uh, real Satanists a bad rap. Yeah. Um, so he was held in San Quentin State Prison for the rest of his life, but was never put to death. Which is another thing with, um, you know, capital punishment cases. Like they'll get sentenced, but like, I think there's, I think it's like twelve or something appeals. Like they get a shitload of appeals. Which I mean, if you're gonna kill somebody, you know, they get basically twelve shots to get the the, the case overturned. Pretty much, it's it's some number mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, but it takes years because they have to like they basically have to get the chance to use them all, and it could be like he was in. Uh, let's see, he was behind bars up until um, twenty thirteen. So he got he got arrested in like the late eighties, like eighty six, I believe eighty five, eighty six, and uh, ultimately he died of complications from lymphoma. Uh, you know, it's a cancer in 2013 at 53 years old. Wow. So like, it's almost like, and then like, you, you know, you got to bring the family back to like, because the family is connected to this. Like they write in some of these cases, like I've heard in, in some of these stories, they are just stuck with it for one of them seemed like 20 years. Like these, this couple's like son was killed. Uh, son or daughter was killed and like the it went so long that both the parents died of old age wow and then like the descendants were the ones that had to keep coming back over and over and over again over the span of like years and the court cases could happen at any point and this one family was like we're not even able to take vacations because we could get called back for court and if we don't show up he could win wow like they they wanted to you know they would that much more chance that he could get, you know, not acquitted, but something, you know, get out of his life sentence or something like that. It's, it's very, it's a very clogged system. Yeah. Uh, but with that, um, I think we're going to call this the end of part one. Uh, yeah. Not necessarily planning on this being a two parter, but I had a suspicion that it might be. So that is basically what satanic panic is and how, it came to, you know, how metal got involved with it. You know, we had, we had the buildup, you know, that the times are changing. And then we had the accusations of assault, then like the banner of Michelle remembers. And then, you know, people being suspicious of metal music. And then these two instances literally merch <laughs> so yeah. is what ties metal music to two of the biggest pieces of shit in the world. That's crazy. Uh, at no one because a guy was high enough to say he was seeing Satan and another guy that was crazy enough to be uh, claiming to, you know, worship Satan in his own way with rituals and stuff. But even that guy said, no, it's not, you know, I just like ACDC. They're not part of this. I'm the Satanist. Like he was almost offended that they were taking some of the credit, you know, yeah. that they were being given the credit, not that ACDC was accepting it. You know what I mean? So, um, in part two of this, we're going to learn how it affected the music industry because oh. big repercussions happened as a result of this and some uh, crazy 
wonderful people come to the defense of the freedom of speech. Uh, there's three of them, but we're really going to look at two. And I'm going to ask you who you think those people are in the next episode. Sweet. I'm so, excited. So, uh, you know, what are your thoughts? Like, what did you think of part one? God, it, every conspiracy we do, and uh, this isn't really a conspiracy. These are things that really did happen. Um, but every time we cover something like that, when people have a conspiracy, it's a lot of the same, even though there's no evidence, this is what I believe. And so this is what anything I find I'm going to attribute to this. Yeah. And you just making it stretching everything you can to make it seem like that's part of what, Oh, that's the reason that that's it. Yeah. That's, just, yeah. The, the, going back again, the FBI early uh, FBI agent earlier, just your mind making it work. And we got, I got, we got to find out the, de- yeah. the uh, um, we got to find out that word again. And uh, that's going on some merch for sure. We, we, we can stand to learn a big word. Cause remember it's a pretty big word. <laughs> if my, if my brain, if it's more than three syllables, I'm out. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was so stoked to get into this. I mean, there's, there's a lot of sadness in this uh, episode, but uh, this subject matter is fascinating to me. I, I just kept getting, there are 26 pages of notes in this episode. Wow. Uh, and we that's us cutting it down. The, me and Dakota, especially Dakota, like, would just like just bring in like this wealth of information and then I would comb through it and then she would comb through it. And then uh, with this one, the, the problem wasn't where do we find the information is what, what can we keep? <laughs> like there's yeah, so much yeah. that we had to comb through and it took a good three days of sitting down. Wow. Uh, cannot emphasize the amount of work that went into this episode. It was man. I'm so one of the, one of the things I want to do in the future uh, when we get, uh, we're hoping to get like a uh, a blog. I don't know if you call it a blog, but like a um, transcription kind of version of this. Yeah. Out uh, for people uh, that have uh, hearing issues. Uh, so we want to have like a uh, a written version of the okay, show. Yeah. But that requires a transcription service, and we got to figure that out. Yeah. But especially on that, we want to include all the sources because we're proud of uh, is uh, looking all this stuff up because it's not just Wikipedia. Uh, it may start there, but it goes out to so many different places, so many different websites. There is a page and a half of single spaced uh, links to the the facts. We actually had to categorize all the different links to the information wow. we pulled in this. So really, really proud of the research on this one on her part. And then um, this was a, this was a fun episode to to really dig into. I love these conspiracy ones myself. Any like yeah. the occult, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's fascinating to me. That is why we have this podcast. Yes. It is fascinating things. And I am very excited about the next episode, part two. Part two, the unexpected part two. And I assume there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel for all of this, because as we know now, uh, it is still legal to listen to metal music. As we know now. And we kind of like, we already see the results of everything but we kind of get it put into a pretty neat context and I'm, I'm, we'll get into that okay so um yeah so uh thank you so much everybody for listening to this episode um 
yeah, really wasn't planning on this being a two-parter, but it just, there was so much information. Um, I really did try to keep it to our, our, our standard, but this, this subject demands, um, it demands more and I'm excited. I'm very much happy to give it to it. So, um, real quick, want to do our, uh, shout outs real quick again. Um, I want to, uh, it's, uh, the two podcasts we wrapped in this episode are fuck my work life, which is uh, a podcast that uh, is about sharing your stories from the workplace. And that's uh, at on Twitter at, at F M W L pod F M W L P O D. And then the podcast Reddit on wiki Reddit as in R E D D I T on wiki. They chat about life and research uh, on a topic from Wikipedia. And then on Fridays, they scroll through Reddit on their quest for the biggest assholes on the platform. Nice. And that is uh, at R E D D I T O N W I K I at Reddit on wiki, all one word. And um, we talked about um, uh, what I had heard was to funny people check them out. Yes. They have uh, two podcasts and they're like today for or something like that. Yeah. Um, very, very great people. So, uh, yeah, if you like the show, uh, I really would, uh, we really would appreciate it if you could give us a rating on Spotify or Apple, like those two, I know have rating systems. Uh, Apple, uh, has, um, you know, stuff you can actually, you know, comment what you think, like, uh, you know, we asked you guys earlier, like, um, Joe is, we, Joe's got this this idea bubbling around in that big brain of his that keeps ruining all my big punchline jokes <laughs> um, of a show he wants to do sometime in the future. And I'm very much encouraging him to do it because I would like to be on the other side of the table. Yes. Um, so uh, tell us what do you think that show is or uh, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Um, so I don't want to give away what the topic is, but uh, it's, I'm, I'm very excited. It's another one of my interests, but um, yeah. So what do you think that topic is or uh, um have you ever have you ever heard of the filthy 15 that might be another one you can mm. write down that's uh it's i can't believe who's on that list and what the reason of those this is a list of songs that we're going to get into and i cannot believe the list but um yeah so uh yeah check us out on those platforms we're on podbean and uh good pods which is a uh kind of like a facebook for podcasters would really help us out yes and also speaking of facebook you can come chat with us on Facebook at Phantom Jukebox, at Twitter at Phantom Jukebox underscore, and Instagram. We post a lot of fun stuff at Phantom Jukebox Podcast. We love, we love the interaction with you guys, and we really it, do. It really helps the show and gives us in, inspiration and motivation to keep doing it. So we we really do appreciate all of the uh, support you guys are giving us. Amazing, yeah, you guys, you guys are amazing. We're um the show's doing great and, and that's because of you guys and we just want it to go even further. Oh man. Three year goals, live show. I, I'm just dying to do a live show. So oh, bad yeah. for this. Show. Oh yeah. I don't even know what the topic would be yet, but, um, just to, uh, bring it back. We also have a new Spotify jukebox jams playlist. Uh, it's an idea of Dakota's and we all love it. Uh, it includes the episode and music that we talked about that we either exclusively talked about or it fits the theme or subject. It comes from the same time period, you know, that kind of thing. 
Uh, right now, we've got three playlists out there for your enjoyment. Uh, the most recent ones on Ozzy Osbourne. I believe we have one on Elvis. And then I believe we have one on, um, oh, the Running Up That Hill, Kate Bush. Ah, yes. So check those out. And if you'd like to hear more of this style of uh, commentary, eventually we will have up B-sides on the Patreon. We're getting that set up currently. We're working on that infrastructure, baby. You got to. You got to build the foundation before you start laying on the drywall. You know what I'm saying? Some things take a little time. They take a little time to, to make right. <laughs> so, I'm just going to leave this blank. <laughs> so, so with that, um, I want to thank uh, thank you all out there for listening and you know giving us your time. I want to thank you, Joe, for being a part of the show and sharing this experience with me. And thank you, Ty. Thank you, everyone to li- that listens to us. Babylon. You didn't have to, but you're here anyway. You really didn't, but you're here with us, and we thank you for that. If you made it this long, you're a trooper. We By try- golly, you deserve an award. We we try really hard uh, because you give us your time, and we want to make sure that it's worth it. So we make sure it sounds good, it's well-researched, and we do stupid shit like play jazz in the back. <laughs> not that jazz is stupid, but it just did not fit the situation at all, but that's why we love it. Um, I want to thank also the uh, audio wizard himself, Kenny Grooms. Yes. I'm trying to get him to let me like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to bring it up to him again and see if, oh, oh, can I restart our, uh, it's a limited loop. There we go. I got to get Kenny to uh, send me some of his music that he's working on so we can, I don't know where he posts it, but I want to get his permission because he did. Like a Mr. Rogers Doom song. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. so good. It's, it's, <laughs> it's distorted Mr. Rogers talking about anger. <laughs> Besides the fact that it sounds really fucking awesome, it's hilarious. It's it's a bunch of great emotions happening at one time. But also, um, uh, again, with the incredible research, our producer, Dakota Galvin, and so social media, social media, so social media, audio media wizard sor- yes. of Kenny Grooms and the social media sorceress. That yep. I'm sorry, babe. That is actually New title. that's that's going. That's we're updating all the all the <laughs> producer <laughs> slash social media sorceress that's exactly. going on all of our, our credits. Uh, we and, need the black tees that have like a, <laughs> yeah, our job yeah. title. Yeah. Uh, your and I's could be like. Uh, idiot one and two or we'll, we'll come up with something <laughs> yeah we'll come up with something later but uh yeah social media sorceress it's amazing uh yeah she so much work on like the initial research for this uh i, I kind of came in afterwards and added you know things here and there and then we just combed through it over the course of like two to three days and we're 26 pages of notes wow so really trying to pace it out but uh Lots of hard work in this. I was very proud of uh, how this uh, turned out. So, uh, yeah, thank you, everybody. And uh, we'll see you in part two of uh, the Satanic Panic series.